asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. That's right, buddy. Happy Monday to you. We've got a great listener questions episode lined up for listeners today. And we're going to hear from five different listeners. One is asking about how he can avoid busting up his budget. Another listener is uh, wondering why she got declined for a new credit card that she was looking to get. And yet another listener, he is wanting to know the, the best way to pay for some surgery that he's got coming up. He wants to make sure that he is optimizing his money moves. So looking forward to those three questions plus two others today. Yeah, we got a good lineup of listener questions here today, Matt. Uh, look forward to getting to them. But before before we start diving in, I wanted to mention, this is something I just found out. I'm looking for looking for a new bike shop up here by where, where we live. I haven't been to a bike shop yet. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. I found a guy. I think I, I mentioned this on the show. I found you're, a mobile bike repair mobile guy. guy. Yeah. You don't, so you don't want to go with him? Well, so uh, it, it was just, I just need a flat repair yeah. and I had the bike already in my car and it was, I was just like, man, I just, is there some place I can take this and have it done quickly just so I can get back on the road? And uh, I realized, wait a second, there's an REI like five minutes away and I, do they do bike repairs oh wait i looked it up online yes they do and so uh it turns out as i was looking on their website that rei ha, does one they do a lot of bike maintenance mm -hmm. and two if you're an rei co-op member which i believe costs 30 bucks it used to cost 20 bucks back in the day you get a lot of discounted bike services and oh nice and some bike services you get for free flat repair included oh no way okay so what if you purchased your bike from rei well, I don't know that that has any bearing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, you, you just have to be a co-op member. You can bring any bike purchased at REI because or not. I, okay, because I purchased uh, my gravel bike from REI, and that would be a killer perk if it's like a cost, you know, like the Costco tires yeah. thing where you can just 
constantly bring back your car for maintenance. If I could bring back my my bike for I think a little perk, bit of maintenance, I would be all about that. I think the perk for people who bought their bike from REI is that you get free tune-ups for the first year. Mm. I think that's how it works. But after that, basically all co-op members, no matter if you bought the bike at REI or not, you get the same free or discounted bike perks. So, um, Good not, to know. Not an ad for REI, just a, a we mention. Do, yeah, we like them, though. We do like REI. Uh, just a mention that that's a, that's a cool benefit. And so I popped in there, and I bought the tube the new tube from REI, but they put it on for me and I was in and out the door in no time. And I was like, man, <laughs> REI might be my new bike shop uh, nice. locally when I don't need a lot of work done. And if, if, if that's the case, I'll call my mobile bike repair guy. Sure. Or or you could learn how to do some of this yourself. I right? could. I mean, right. I, 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 a buddy of mine who's really into biking, he's just like, dude, the markup that they put on bicycle tubes in particular, you can buy like three to five of them online for oh, crazy sure. cheap. And it's just, it's like one it of those. should be like two bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, maybe we'll, t- uh, bike levers, uh, nice Joe Blow bike pump. Those are, I feel like some items that everybody needs to have yeah. uh, in, in their garage. But yeah, good to know though that that exists for folks out there who are just wanting to have that knocked out. Yeah. Which, uh, what bike did you have? A, a, a My road on? bike, flat on the oh. road bike. Yeah. Also ended up getting oh, a new tire while I was in there. <laughs> one that hopefully will prevent more flats from happening in the near future. But, nice. Uh, but like yeah. One of those Gator Skin tires or whatever? Yes. Was is it, was it really? Yeah. Okay. They're, nice. I was like, oh, they're like, like a little stickier. Puncture proof. Right. Uh, tire. Nice, dude. Which, because flats still ruin your Well, day. on road bikes in particular, because if, it's like you're always riding on a, like a razor's edge. Right. <laughs> it's literally what it feels like, it's right? true. There's as very a, little tread on them and on those yeah, tires. Yeah, as, as compared to uh, a beefier tire that yeah. can maybe handle some of the some of the shocks. That can handle crossing over some road tracks. For real. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, let, let's, nice. move, let's move on, Matt, uh, and, and mention the beer that we're having on this episode. This one is called Two Turtle Doves. It's by the brewery. Of course, we're having a Christmas-themed beer right here in the middle of December. It's the holidays, baby. That's right. We'll give our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. But for now, let's get into the listener questions. And if you have a question you want us to tackle on an upcoming Ask HTM episode, we would love to hear it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple instructions there for you to record your yourself asking that question and uh, how to get it over to us. It's pretty easy. We would love to hear from you and we'd like to take your question on the next Ask HTM episode. And uh, But Matt, let's get to our uh, the first listener question of today. This one comes from a listener in Michigan. Uh, this is, and he's about to retire and he wants to make sure that he's got his uh, I's dotted and his T's crossed. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Mike from the Detroit area. And I just turned 65 this past August and need to figure out how to get a, I guess, a fee-based financial advisor, fiduciary. I've got money all over the place, got a pension coming in that I didn't know about and uh, have some Roth IRAs in a couple different places, a lot of savings accounts, internet savings accounts, and just for... Uh, would really like to get this all in one place and have a nice plan going forward. Thank you very much. I've been enjoying your podcast now for the last year and a half and look forward to it uh, every week. Thank you. All right, Mike, thank you so much for that question. We appreciate you listening for the past year and a half. And by the way, he mentioned finding that pension that he'd 
didn't know about. <laughs> uh, that is an awesome, uh, you know, little early Christmas present for, for sure. you here uh, in the middle of December. I but mean, not, not many people are going to find better things than that under their tree. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, here's $800 a month for the rest of your life that you Forever. Did, that you forgot about. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a nice shock, shock right there. Yeah. And so, my, let's talk, I guess, generally about financial advisors here for a second, because we've done entire episodes about how financial advisors, how they're they're not quite as necessary as most folks think. We, you know, we actually believe that a lot of folks would be better served by hiring a money coach. Uh, not only would that individual be able to help you to think through some of the some of the more of the financial fundamentals, but then they'd also be able to help hold you accountable when it comes to the execution of the plans that you formulated. Uh, but you know, when we say that advisors are often overrated, which is sometimes what you'll hear us say, we're typically trying to help folks who are in their early investing years to avoid paying just basically unnecessary fees and money to a professional. Uh, and by saving that money, that would allow individuals to sock more money away into their retirement accounts. Uh, and that's because financial advisors can be crazy expensive, especially relative to the amount of money that early investors, folks who are earlier on in their journey that they have set aside. It's a higher percentage of their income of their net worth. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you are younger, oftentimes you should honestly be more intently focused on just simply living on less money than you make and then just inv investing the rest. Uh, but Mike, he is in a different position. The wealth accumulation is actually easier in some respects, in many respects, than the wealth drawdown. And so I would say it's likely more important to have a financial advisor when you are getting to that point where, like Mike, you've got accounts all over the place and you're trying to figure out how and when to access those things. There's a lot of tax consequences that could cost you big, big money. And that's where an advisor can actually come in uh, it can be a lot more helpful, way more helpful than when you're like, should I put more in my 401k? Like when you're 32 or 28, uh, an advisor sure. is just less helpful. And yeah. I, I, it's, it's pretty simple and straightforward when you're just investing yep. those dollars as but, opposed to the nuances that go with a drawdown. Yes, exactly. And and I love that that Mike he's on the right path. He's looking for a fee only fiduciary advisor, which is which is what we recommend. Fee only means that you're paying a flat rate, hopefully an hourly rate. That's our favorite uh, method. It's it's a, just a straightforward way to pay someone for their time, and that's you're, you're basically paying them three three hundred fifty bucks an hour or something like that for their advice. Uh, per hour you meet with them. And it may not initially seem like the most affordable advice because hundreds of dollars an hour, that, that sounds prohibitive. <laughs> most people are like, wait a second, what am I paying you for? And, and why do you get paid so much? Have I just hired the most expensive attorney of all time? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, and, but it, it's just, th there are so many worse, pays, worse ways actually to, to pay a financial advisor that when you break it down, this is the best method. This is the best way to pay someone for their advice because the alternative models you're going to see out there are commission only or at least commission based, right? Where the advisor receives a kickback from a company when they're able to, to get their clients to sign up for a particular financial product. So they might be selling you something that comes with higher fees that's not in your best interest. And so this model, it might seem like a bargain up front. They're like, no, I do it for free, right? Uh, you don't have to pay me anything up front, but you're often getting saddled with um, expensive annual fees mm -hmm. or subpar investments that are going to slowly harm your future earning potential. So having a, a fee-only fiduciary planner is the best way to go. It's, it's just the model that comes with the, the fewest conflicts of interest. 
That's right. And so how is it that, sh uh, that Mike should find a fee-only fiduciary advisor? There are actually networks that advisors can join. For, for younger folks out there, actually, um, XY Planning Network, that's one of our favorites. The folks who participate in this network, they serve mostly, of course, Gen X and uh, Millennial or Gen Y clientele. That's why it's the XY Planning Network. Uh, but I like that they allow you to find an advisor uh, by specialty as well, not just by location, because you know you don't necessarily need to find someone near where it is that you live, unless that's you know something that you want to prioritize that's really important to you for some reason. Yeah, Matt, I remember when we interviewed Philip and Julia Olson from the Two Cents PBS uh, uh, videos on YouTube that, that was, they make. That was a while ago. Yeah, well, they they're Philip's a they they run a financial advisory firm and they cater specifically to artists to creative the types. creative. Yeah, yep. And so right. if you're in that field, like. Like those are the, you should be seeking them out, right, to help you with money management. And I think it's more helpful to work with somebody who serves uh, your niche than to find somebody who has an office close to you. Sure. But what's important to point out here, though, is that all of the advisors that are on the XY Planning Network, they sign a fiduciary oath. Makes it sound way more official when something is an oath, <laughs> like a blood oath. Uh, and so, you know, this isn't just a title that gets used. Uh, this is a literal promise that their planners are, are committed to always working in the best interest of their clients. Uh, but Mike, you are not Gen X or Y, though you can certainly uh, go to the XY Planning Network. So for you, you can also check out NAPFA, which is the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. That's another great place for, for you to turn. Yeah, napfa.org is the website for that. And yeah, e either one of those um, you can find. I don't think people at XY are going to turn you away because you're a few years outside of their demographic, but either one. Plus, uh, I mean, Gen Xers are getting older as well. I yeah. Mean, like, <laughs> what do we, what I think you can be like 57 years old and still technically be considered a Gen Xer. It's just crazy to think. So, you yeah. and I are, are millennials and you're but we're, turning 40 here but in a couple weeks. We're barely millennials, though. Like, we're, I mean, I'm <laughs> barely a millennial. I'm, yeah. I'm almost, almost a Gen Xer. I'm much younger than you. Yeah, like, that should be pointed. Out. Like 15, 20 years. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. Not quite. Uh, well, and, and so I'll say this too, Mike. Like, uh, Put this on your to-do list. You got to get organized because either way, whether you're hiring a financial advisor or not, wrangling all those different account logins, making sure you've tracked down all all of the money that you have across those disparate accounts, and uh, making sure you've taken into account all the pensions <laughs> that you might have. Maybe there's another Maybe. one hanging out there. <laughs> He's got like two others. Yeah, hanging out in the wings. Lift up every rock <laughs> that you can and find all those accounts and find out where that money's coming well, from. Yeah. Also, okay. On that note, uh, missing money. That well, that's another reason source too that we'll link to because Mike, if you are somebody who may not be completely organized, and I'm going to just point this out, this is something that you admitted to, the fact that you didn't know that you had a pension that existed, there's a chance that there are some states that have money that belongs to you. And That's so true. We'll, we'll link to the missing money site where you can enter in your personal and information and really and every, that up. Every How to Money listener should go there once a year That's and check true. in yeah. and type in their, their info. It'll take you literally 30 seconds. And you can see if, if there is money hanging out. We've had tons of listeners when we mention that every time we mention that's like a dozen people reach out to I us i've never like, heard of this hey i found thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars that was that was owed to yeah. me that i didn't know especially this time of year right this is like a great time to 
upturn a, <laughs> a rock that, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's money there. That's right. That's right. Love it. So yeah, go over to those old statements, I would say, might get, and dig up those accounts that might have slipped your mind. And yeah, you might even realize that you don't need to hire a professional. I don't know. It sounds like you have a complex enough situation that when it comes to the drawdown and when it comes to the tax implications, it's going to make sense to talk to a professional, pay for a couple, two, three, four hours of their time and to get their input so that you are making the most tax efficient choices for you moving forward. This is, um, you know, these are important years to kind of come up with that drawdown plan. Uh, so yeah, get your financial ducks in a row and then start reaching out. Interview a few, I don't know, three or four fee-only advisors to see maybe who's going to be the best fit for you personality-wise and specialty-wise. And yeah, we, we hope that they're able to, to help you make the best decisions for you and for your financial future. But Matt, we've got more questions to get to, including yes, we, uh, do. we got a question from a listener who's like, man, there's always a budget buster uh, every single month. I feel, feel like I'm encountering something. And I feel like that's not an uncommon uh, thought we've heard from other How to Money listeners. We'll get to that question and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money and now a word from the show sponsors at betterment do you want your money to dream big do you want your money to be a total self-starter are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough don't worry betterment is here to help Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
All right, we are back for the break, taking listener questions. And Joe, we will get to that budgeting question here in a second. But first, let's take a question about a credit card. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Lindsay from Sonoma County, California. I have a question today about credit cards. I was using your credit card matching tool a couple days ago to find a new credit card offer. I use currently a couple of cards. One's a hotel, one's a airline card, um, but I was really looking for a cash back card as I don't have that in my current uh, wallet. So I found the City Premier card through your tool, thank you, and it has a great bonus right now. I applied for the card and was really surprised to be declined for this credit card um, with a credit score of over 800 and by the fact that I pay off my cards in full every month and have a long credit history. um, Again, I was just really surprised. I got a letter from Citibank stating that the reasons for this was that my credit report shows a high amount of unused credit compared with available lines and that my credit report shows too many open revolving accounts. So those two things I've always viewed as positive, having the low credit utilization and having the account stay open to show that long history. Um, Am I doing something wrong? Should I close some of these open accounts? Just looking for some advice. Thank you, guys. All right, so real quick, so she mentioned Sonoma County. Uh, is that where Lagunitas is? Is it the typically? Brewery? Yeah, I think so. <sighs> Too bad we didn't coordinate our beer with Lindsay's question. <laughs> I know. But I'm guessing, yeah, maybe Lindsay knows a little bit more about wine than she does craft beer, but there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, no, there's. I feel like there's good beer and and good wine out there. Like you can enjoy both. California, it's like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to you know uh, alcoholic beverages and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the opposite on that front. Well, uh, but uh, Lindsay's got a great question here. And Matt, when when I first heard Lindsay's question when it first came in, I was like a little shocked to hear that she was declined for those reasons. It does not. These facts do not compute. Yeah. Like based on what she's uh, what she experienced, it, yeah, it definitely does not make sense. Right. Yeah, having too much credit is rarely a reason for a credit card issuer to deny your application, especially when somebody like Lindsay has shown that she handles it so well, right? She's got that impeccable credit score. It seems like based on everything we've ever talked about when it comes to the credit scoring models, that she, of all people, should be accepted for any credit card that she applied, mm-hmm. applies for. Well, one possibility we'll mention, Lindsay, and there's a, there's a couple thoughts that we have here on why this could have happened. But one possibility is if the bank that you apply for that card with thinks that you are what's known as a credit card churner, and that is kind of a derogatory label they might apply to you, if you're the kind of person who opens up a lot of credit cards in order to score bonuses. And so uh, it's a great idea to open credit cards uh, on occasion and to get those bonuses because they can be just incredibly beneficial for the layperson credit card user. But if, if this credit card company sees that you've opened maybe four or five cards within the past 24 months, they might want to avoid extending credit to you thinking that you're just in it for the bonus and you're going to ditch them at the first moment possible. And so uh, Chase actually has the most well-known version of this, which folks on the internet call the 524 rule, uh, whereas if they, they will not uh, allow you to sign up for one of their credit cards if you've opened up five cards in the past 24 months. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's your scenario, but it could be an explanation. If you have opened up a few other credit cards in the past year or the past two years, they might say, you know what? 
we don't think you actually want this card <laughs> for uh, for the long term, which is what they want. They want you to be a long term customer. We think you're in it just for that bonus. And so because of that, that's why we're not going to accept your application. Yeah. And the different banks, they've got different sort of like rules of thumb as well. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure the city has got like this six of six rule. So basically, if you had six hard inquiries to your credit within the past six months, you'll also get denied. Yeah. So it's not even specific to credit cards if that's uh, not what you were doing, Lindsay. And by the way, those rules are not hard. Like you don't find you won't find them on city or oh yeah, uh, yeah. you won't find them on their website. Like They don't spell that out, but it's something that people have. It, it's become come kind of like a common understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you'll find it on the Reddit forums sure. when, when you're reading about credit cards there. And the fact is too, I mean, it, they're constantly changing. Like these are different rules and, and guidelines that the different banks are, are following, but that doesn't mean that they can't change their mind on a dime. So yeah, Lindsay, we actually reached out to City. Joel, you kind of spearheaded this. This was kind of like a throwback to your, your radio days where you're like <laughs> reaching out to companies and being like, hey, I got a question for you. I was like, I want the truth. <laughs> the and they were like, you can't handle the truth. And I was like, oh man, come yeah. on, give me something. Uh, uh, and so, of course, with with City being a gargantuan bank that doesn't necessarily care a lot about responding to its customer needs, uh, this is the response that we got. For, and this is from an actual individual. <laughs> uh, but they said, quote, we cannot speak to any one customer situation. City strives to build long-term relationships with our customers and provide value and benefits that encourage sustained engagement. As such, we carefully review each application and consider a range of eligibility factors, including the number of open accounts. And so while our specific eligibility process is proprietary, we believe believe this approach is similar to that of other issuers within the industry. And so that's just a long winded (laughs) way of saying that we're not going to tell you why it is that she got declined. Yeah, I was hoping for more than that. Honestly, I was hoping for something better than just PR spin. That's and literally what this is. Yeah. And so, so I was hoping that they would give me some some sort of insight into why somebody like Lindsay, who is a great customer, great cu- credit score, who has handled credit very well, would be denied for something like that. But but they they don't want to. They kind of want to keep that tight lipped. It, sure. it seems. And so well, what's so crazy here is is I mean, based on the response that she got, it sounds like City like they are saying the quiet part out loud. So based on the traditional rules, like I, I'm used to seeing, oh, uh, you've applied for too many accounts or cards in the past, you know, in, in recent in the recent months. But the fact that they are literally stating why it is that internally that they would be deciding why to turn her down, right? <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. it's it's almost as if they're like they're changing the rules essentially. Um, and so that's I, I, in in my mind, in my estimation, like that's the weirdest part here is that okay, based on what you're saying, it's it's almost as if the old traditional rules of credit do not apply, like they're changing the rules. Does that make sense? It's, it's almost as if they're, like they're looking for more, like less creditworthy card users, uh, as opposed to credit card users who truly would use their cards responsibly. Well, like that's the part that makes sense. It's, it's interesting because the people who sense. don't use their credit cards as responsibly are the ones who make the banks money. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> that, like that's the thing. It's almost as if they're revealing their marketing plan. Where they they're just like, we be- need to target the folks who are going to handle their credit poorly as opposed to the folks who are handling their accounts responsibly. Yeah. Like how to money listeners would be considered like exactly. deadbeat customers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, according to the yes. banks because they, they do uh, keep pristine credit scores. They don't ever owe any interest or late fees or penalties to the credit card 
car companies. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's not necessarily the ideal credit uh, customer for some of these for some of these credit card companies. But still, I am shocked that she was rejected for this. Uh, I'm also Matt, it just made me think like, how glad am I that I don't work in PR, by the way, having to write those emails and say something uh, just incredibly opaque yeah. and silly sounding to us so that we can read it on the air and make that company sound ridiculous. Mm. It's just, I would hate <laughs> having to, to respond to those emails in that way. Uh, I prefer a form of a, a little bit of authenticity, at least from, I don't know, everyone, but uh, from a big bank, you don't expect that, but I would hope for more. Sure. But uh, despite this annoyance and inconvenience, Lindsay, I, we would say it's actually possible for you to still get this credit card. And that's assuming that you still want it because most credit card companies, City included, have what's known as a reconsideration line. I, I would call them up and I would ask them to reconsider your application and be sure to mention the reasons why you think you're a good candidate for the card, why you want this card. You know, they obviously, they know your credit score, but point to that and then sprinkle in words like loyal and responsible, right? Little words that make it sound like you're going to be a long-term customer, not someone who's like a fly-by-night customer, just snagging the sign-up bonus and then moseying on down the road. You want to make it sound like you're going to use this card for years to come. And make sure to be nice too, because most folks, they call up when they're annoyed and they're like, hey why didn't you give me this card and you put the 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 representative on the back foot but we'd say you're not going to get nearly as far with a bad attitude with with anger so be kind to the person you're talking mm -hmm. to and yeah but try to sell yourself too on on why they should reconsider and let you be their customer that's right. Yeah, it, it feels like you shouldn't have to do that, but I mean, that's sure. probably the best thing for Lindsay to do moving it's forward. A, it's all a part of the game, you yeah. know. And it's Lindsay, like it's, but, it's a dance. Yeah, it's a dance. Uh, and she mentioned our credit card tool, by the way, which is, I mean, we're we're glad that you are liking it, and we we certainly hope that other How to Money listeners will, you know, that that they're finding it to be the easiest way to find the right card. That's going to offer them the the best perks for how they approach spending. We'll make sure to, to link to that tool in our show notes, but it's howtomoney.com forward slash credit cards. And she mentioned the uh, the city premier card specifically, which is pretty sweet. You know, 80,000 points. That is quite attractive, but you also need to make sure that you are handling the credit that you have available to you well, that you are not participating in spending that you would not otherwise incur. But Lindsay, we wish you the best of luck, and we hope that gets you pointed in the right direction. Yeah, and if that reconsideration line works out for you, let us know. Cause yes, actually, I would love to know that as well. I've never... I know it exists. I, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody personally who has said, like, I got rejected. But then I called, and they were like, hey, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. we'll send it your way. Exactly. So I, yep. I'm, I'm, I want to know how this pans out. Yeah. And anybody else out there who's also called one of the reconsideration lines yeah. as well. It's not something that we have personally done, but we would Holler love this. <laughs> Holler at your boy. So, Joel, let's get to our next question. This is from listener Phil, who is asking about budgeting. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Phil from Annapolis. I'm a longtime listener, and this is my first time sending a question. I'm working on improving my monthly budgeting. However, I find it frustrating that no month is a normal month. In other words, something always comes up that bust, busts my monthly budget. Any tips or tricks to avoid this issue? Thanks for your guidance. Keep up the good work. All right, Phil, first off, got to say, I love that you're trying to improve your budgeting. This is, this is one of those things where, I don't know, we could all stand to get a little bit better, tighten things up, except for Matt, who's 
I don't know, probably the the, bu- the budget king, <laughs> the, se- the self-anointed. You're kind of uh, like the Tiger King in a lot of ways, <laughs> but you're the budget king. Dude, this isn't. 20- Hopefully they can. It's not 2020, dog. Hopefully they can make a racy 2022. Nobody's watching the Tiger King. A racy Netflix show about <laughs> your budgeting endeavors. Well, uh, but Phil, we totally get where you're, where you're coming from. And inflation obviously is is pinching the budgets of tens of millions that's, of that's folks. True. It feels like budgeting is harder in 2022 and of 2022 than it was a year or two ago, especially with the the absence of stimmy payments in that bank account. It's uh, it, you're, you're, Basically, you're not alone when it comes to having a busted budget, but we will give our best advice to you here so you can hopefully stay the course and budget effectively moving forward, even with kind of all the moving parts, all the things conspiring against you to make budgeting a little more difficult. That's right. Yeah. And so our first bit of advice, Phil, would be for you to change how it is that you are mentally approaching budgeting. Can I call you Matt Exotic, by the way? No. Okay. <laughs> you may not. All right. I mean, just between you and me, like, yes, yes. <laughs> but not publicly. All right. right. Uh, but Phil, like, basically, I, I want you to change how it is you're thinking about it. So from a mental standpoint, I want you to be less optimistic uh, because like when it comes to budgeting, it's I think it's important to be a little bit like more realistic, like slightly maybe even pessimistic. It makes me think about taking on home projects and how much time I allow for their completion. Uh, because like at this point, I've learned that whatever I actually tell Kate, like whatever I think it's going to take, just multiply that by three. <laughs> have, you, have you told her that now? Do you, do you start? Oh, she knows it. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She's like, Matt is lying through his teeth right now. Well, Not I'm, I'm just way too optimistic yeah. when it comes to the amount of time. Because in my mind, I think, well, that's how long it should take. But it's times two for the unforeseens and then times three when it comes to actual cleanup and, and just like the the whole deal for for me times four when it when it comes to lack of skills <laughs> <laughs> for like yeah the, the medical uh, doctor's visit just, after smashing your thumb and just for being born norwegian <laughs> that's what happens like you're bad at fixing stuff you don't give yourself enough credit um but when it comes to your budget if you're if you're too optimistic phil i think real life is going to give you a cold dose of reality and then you're going to be dipping into your savings to make up for the spots where you spent too much uh, or, or even worse putting it on a credit card that you can't pay off in full at the end of the month and so while optimism it's, it's kind of like a good life philosophy but when it comes to budgeting uh, i feel like optimism doesn't lend itself to an accurate helpful budget yeah for sure I, my favorite quote in personal finance is probably when morgan Housel says to save like a pessimist but to invest like an optimist there you go i, yeah. I don't know that you could boil down the essence of how to think about money better than that. It's it's just sage advice. And so what that looks like in reality, we would say, to to kind of be that pessimist when it comes to saving and budgeting is to is to base your current budget on your actual recent spending. So we would say take an average of the last three or six months of spending that you've engaged in, Phil, to gauge what spending is going to look like for you moving forward. We don't want you pulling numbers out of thin air or budgeting for groceries based on hopes and dreams. Like we, we want you to use recent data to inform what your spending can and should look like moving forward. We definitely want you to take into account one-off items or expenses too that you incurred over the past six months or so. It's, it's important to have money set aside in sinking funds for stuff like car and home repairs that are hard to predict, but that they're certain to occur. Like you don't know uh, necessarily when you need like a, a new serpentine belt or something like that, but oh, okay. gosh darn it, it's going to happen one of these days. And so you got to be prepared. You, you don't want that thing squealing on you. <laughs> no, you don't. And so like, yeah, you know when an oil change is going to happen. You're going to have 
probably two of those a year, three of those a year. I don't know. I, I drive less than the average person, so I have fewer oil changes than the average person. But yeah, you you know that those are going to happen. You can budget for those. Tires, you know that's going to happen every two and a half to three years. And so you can kind of start budgeting ahead for those things. But it's crucial to to base your budget, your, your budget moving forward based on w- what your recent expenses have been. Sure. And, and the thing is, too, it does, Phil didn't say how long he has been budgeting and, and keeping up with his with his expenses. Uh, but over, I mean, I would say, too, like the longer you are budgeting, the tighter it's going to get, the the more accurate it's going to be and the more you're going to be able to build in some of those sinking funds because you're going to have a just a better grasp on when some of those different expenses are, are going to sort of, you know, crop up. Uh, but then, Phil, after you have that information, you're not just going to sit on it, right? You're going to take that information and you're going to use that information to then update your budget. And that's something you're going to want to do continually. Basically, like you don't want to create a budget at the beginning of the year and say, OK, this is what my monthly budget is going to be for 2023. It's something that you're going to want to revisit, especially considering how the amount of money that we're spending on things has dramatically shifted over yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah, in right? past years, that was less uh, dramatically awful. It's still yeah, updating you probably, throughout the year. You probably but... could set it and almost forget it because prices were fairly stable. But that is not what we have seen recently, right. especially when it comes to the things like groceries and even just something as basic as the, the cost of eggs. Yeah, if you kept your grocery uh, line item the same, you were just you're eating more poorly <laughs> by the end of the yeah. year than you were at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, and you, you can't assume that your grocery bill or, or even what you're going to pay for a car or home insurance, like that, that is going to stay the same, which has become abundantly clear over the past 18 months. Um, those line items will not remain static. Uh, these dynamic prices that we're experiencing should lead to you having a more dynamic budget. And so, Phil, as costs go up, you're going to want to make some of these small tweaks in order to keep your budget relevant. Uh, and keep in mind, too, I mean, most folks aren't going to have an unlimited amount of funds that where they can continue to kind of crank up the numbers when it, you know, on some of the different line items that they have. Not and so, everyone can be mad exotic. <laughs> but once you, was it the TLC was uh, Tiger King was, was, I don't know, Netflix. All, all I think of is don't go chasing waterfalls. Oh, well, no, I'm thinking, you know, the Learning Channel yeah. or whatever. Um, I think of the band. W- whichever television network that you strike a deal with, even those folks aren't going to have an unlimited amount of money that they're going to be able to work with. And so you're going to have to find different areas in within your budget uh, where you're going to cut back in order to make everything balance out as well. And so it's just important to find that balance between holding yourself to a specific number that you've identified that you, you know, where you do want to keep your spending in check, but at the same time, don't be afraid to make some small tweaks along the way as you are seeing reality not necessarily match up to what it is that you have written down on paper. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's tr- it, it's just a reminder too that budgets are not a device for making your life miserable, even if that's how they often get discussed. I feel like that is something we, we want to reclaim the word budget, Matt, don't we, to a certain extent? Sure. We want it to be about people like ensuring that their money actually gets spent on the things that matter. It's not about cutting back in every single area to ensure that you live the blandest life possible. But I think that's often how budgets get conveyed. Uh, But when you have a budget, it actually gives you the ability, the freedom to spend on the things that you say matter to you. It allows you to cut back on the things that matter less and spend more mm-hmm. on the, the fun stuff that you have. And everybody's idea or conception of fun stuff is going to be different. Mine is going to be more 
craft beer and folk It's going to be a two two turtle doves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like this beer that we're drinking right here. But uh, and, and on top of that, I would say uh, for Phil and for other people out there, you might want to use a better system. That it, Matt, you like the old school Excel spreadsheet. I do, which is totally fine. But we like YNAB a lot. We think that that's a great software that works well for a lot of people. It's worth the money for a lot of folks to pay because they do more than just track your spending. Their goal is basically to help you build a better relationship with your money. And so while it might seem counterintuitive to spend money on budgeting software, it's it's also a, a software that's proven to help a lot of folks. And luckily, you can try it out free for 34 days. So um, I know we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. But it's one of those things where if your current methodology, the way in which you're interacting with your budget isn't working so well for you and Phil, and maybe that's causing some of the overspending because you feel like you're not able to check in on it or you feel like it's not as intuitive as you'd like it to be. Interacting with a better user interface can be, and and with uh, some software that's actually trying to propel you in the right direction, that can be the solution for some folks. Yeah, and a small plug for free uh, Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets. Maybe in Phil's case, he isn't paying as much attention to his budget as he needs to, right? And so I, I think maybe for some folks out there, when they set it, they truly do forget it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's one of the reasons why I like to go in there and manually enter in my expenses because it helps me to keep a pulse on our family spending, which then allows us in real time to make small tweaks and adjustments to our spending. And you actually have a budget template that you use that you have yep. made available to our listeners. That's we'll right. link to that in the show notes. Yep. Uh, for, because, yeah, for a lot of folks who would say, yeah, I don't want to spend the money every single month to pay for YNAB. And I am down with manually tracking, and that's the best way for me. Sometimes you just need a template to go off of that's going to help you get started. That's right. Yeah. So we'll make sure to link to that. And Phil, we wish you the best of luck. Joel, we've got a couple additional questions we're going to get to, including a question about what might be the worst investment option out there for a lot of folks. We'll get to that one, plus another right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to kachava.com. 
dot com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get ten percent off your first order. That's K A C H A V A dot com slash how to money. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. We're, we're going to keep taking a couple more listener questions, and we are, in just a second, going to take a question about potentially the worst investment option that is available to most people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the listener wonders whether his wife should participate or not. I'm guessing you might have an inkling of what our answer might be, but there's a lot of nuance involved too. Uh, but before we get to that, Matt, let's take this next one about medical bills, how to pay for them. Hello, boys. This is Cyber Dude. I'm having surgery and after insurance, I estimate I'll have around $4,000 that I may have to pay over time. My doctor's office said care credit would give me 18 months to pay with no interest, which I could handle but some of the reviews are pretty negative and talk about hidden fees. My credit score is around 750. Should I go with care credit, put it on my one credit card, or dip into my savings? Thank you. Man, I love hearing from Cyber Dude. He's our uh, he's like a VIP when it comes to listener questions. Like, have, have we taken one other question by yeah, him before? For sure. Of course, he's got the... Uh, the voice is unforgettable. Got, got <laughs> The tone and camber. The surgery he's going to have cyber dude. is work on his larynx. So, <laughs> I'll do. Don't make fun of him. What if uh, you make fun? Just no, saying. we know. Yeah, he's protecting his identity, and so punches it into the computer. Helps him to maintain that anonymity. But uh, let's go ahead and get to the heart of Cyber Dude's question, uh, which is paying for medical expenses. I mean, uh, we actually we so we talked about budgeting right before the break and healthcare expenses those should totally be a meaningful part of your budget you should have enough set aside to handle the the max out of pocket that you might be responsible uh, for paying based on the medical coverage that you've chosen. Uh, but that doesn't mean, uh, CyberDo, that you can't opt for a, a nifty payment plan if it allows you to perhaps spread out payments over time. Although, like you said, those often come with some massive potential pitfalls. Oh, and so yes. this isn't, we're not giving you free permission. This isn't a slam dunk, say, you know, where we're saying, oh, yeah, absolutely take, take advantage of the surgery now pay later buy now but you know like like we're seeing that in multiple realms of life not only when it comes to consumer spending but also within the the medical industry as well yeah and so you do want to make sure that you're being careful with that for sure yeah it's it's something like 
it makes me think of if someone could get a zero percent car loan on a vehicle they want to buy and but they they already have the cash on hand to pay full freight right they've got the twenty thousand dollars to buy the car they want but then at the dealership they say with no additional if ands or buts no but we get we get a zero percent rate for you so keep that money and invest it instead while you're paying monthly payments for this car loan that's okay to do right that's like kind of like optimizing that's arbitration mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with taking that approach and that's kind of what cyber dude's talking about here is well, what if i do the same thing with uh, a payment plan that a hospital offers they're going to give me zero percent on this junk for 18 months and so it might make the most sense for me to take advantage of this payment plan and keep my money keep my cash on hand for you know who who knows what else could come along if if only these plans didn't completely suck (laughs) (laughs) if only they didn't have a a lot of other pitfalls and mines potentially that you could step on that's the problem in the process and npr just ran a piece about some of the payment plans that hospitals offer their patients and they sound pretty good on the web page right it sounds nice that you can get help (laughs) and get the care uh, to be able to get the care that you need and financially speaking you can pay for it over time no problems right how nice uh (laughs) it sounds nice at least but millions of folks around the country have signed up for one of these plans and they have found that they're paying not single digit but double digit interest rates for the medical or dental care that they need often thanks to the fine print in those financing contracts and and the numbers are are shockingly awful something like 50 million americans currently have outstanding medical debt which is insane and then a quarter of them are paying interest on that debt which makes it even worse. And these payment plans are a huge culprit. They're a huge part of that reason because a lot of people think they're signing up for something where uh, the fine print actually turns on them and something that looked good, looked appealing at first glance, now is eating away at their personal finances. That's right, yeah. So what should he do, though? Uh, And first of all, I'm glad to hear that you've got money in savings in order to pay for this procedure if you wanted to. We're not talking about needing a line of credit because of an inability to pay here. Like we're talking about making the just the, the most financially optimized decision and care credit. Again, it, it sounds decent, but a 0% interest rate isn't all that great if it comes with annoying or hard hard to find pesky you know monthly fees. Yeah. These are little bits of information that you're going to want to verify in advance. And then you're going to want to make sure to pay that loan off way before they start charging you interest if you opt to go that route. Uh, and so I, th- I think he's, did he mention 18 months, uh, like an 18 month period that you have to pay that pay that off? Uh, don't even skirt with 18 months. Maybe pay that off like an extra three months early. It's like canceling like, a free trial the day that it expires. I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's like, wh- when exactly does the clock strike? You <laughs> I, know? Do it, I do it like a, a week and a half in advance. Always. On my uh, Google calendar, I set a reminder. A week and a half? Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if, if it's like a one week trial, I'll do like one day in advance. But yeah. I, I never skirt with the actual day. If, well, they're, usually, if they're like, oh, it'll be the 16th, I'm like, you better believe it's going to be <laughs> during business hours on the 15th. Yeah. Well, even after you cancel, typically, they, they let you have the rest of that window that you've paid for. That is the true. Trial. So I'm like, all right, cool. I just want to make sure I'm ahead of it and I don't forget. It doesn't escape my mind. And you're right. Like, if you're, if you're like, man, you've got the best of intentions to pay off this care credit loan within 18 months. But man, it just slipped your mind. And dang it, you got into month, month 19. Well, you could be in a world of hurt with interest rate that's interest that's racked up over time that now is on you in one fell swoop. Exactly. And that's what the reviews show as well. Because I mean, based on the reviews that Care Credit gets from folks who have used them, there's actually, I mean, in the end, there's no way that we would go this route. There's no way that we would even play with fire in this case, because it sounds like the hidden fees, that, like that they are basically the rule. They're not the exception. 
based on just a preponderance of user complaints based on the actual experiences of folks who have given care credit a shot yeah so i feel like yeah if you play with fire you're going to get burned and you signing up for one of these payment plans that sounds so nice on the front end for so many people get taken on the back end and it's not something i would even i would even give a shot unless i was literally behind the eight ball had no other choice which is not the case for cyber dude he has other choices and and he even mentioned potentially paying with a credit card which is probably the best option here right mm, this could be yeah. a great route you mentioned having a singular credit card though so we wouldn't necessarily recommend you use that card for one since it's your only revolving line of credit there's a decent chance that you you end up maxing that puppy out which isn't great for your credit score but in addition to that especially since we're talking about a four thousand dollar expense here you could literally snag a significant sign-up bonus in one fell swoop oh, yeah. right with this one purchase so uh, assuming you don't have ongoing spending problems We'd say suggest like maybe you find a new card that has a great welcome offer. Add that card to your arsenal first and then use that new card to help you keep your utilization low moving forward and get the sweet bonus on top of it. So it's win-win scenario. Yeah, right there. yeah. Because yeah, you are going to spend down your savings and we want you to build that up rather quickly after the fact. But this gives you at least a little bit of extra time and a little bit of a, a monetary bonus for just based on the method of payment you choose to use to pay for this medical procedure. That's right. And again, CyberDude's got the cash to pay that balance off in full once the bill arrives. And so he's just in the the best possible scenario. He's just funneling that spending. The catbird seat, as some might say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's just, you know, shuttling that money through that credit card uh, and then just reaping the rewards. Uh, And so, yeah, if the the hospital or the medical office, if they're not going to charge you any fees to pay with plastic, I would say that that's totally the way to go. And CyberDude, we wish you the best of luck with the surgery. We hope it's... That's right. We hope it goes well and that you're able to recover quickly and that you yeah don't get financially screwed over in the process of getting this done. That's right. Uh, Okay, let's go ahead and get to our last listener question of the day. Joel, this is the one about perhaps the worst investment uh, that's ever existed, and I'm not even talking about Beanie Babies. Let's hear it. Hey, how to money. This is Colin from San Antonio, Texas, with a question on variable annuities. My wife works in the nonprofit field and her new company had a presentation on their 403B retirement plan. The only option for the plan is a variable annuity through an insurance company. Though the money can be invested in an index fund within the annuity, they have high fee structures and it's hard to roll the money out of the plan. My wife is 26 and it's likely she'll have other jobs before retirement but her current company will match up to 4% of contributions to this plan. I have a Roth 401k, which I contribute 10% of my salary to and get a 5.5% match. We max out a Roth IRA for my wife. Um, I also have an IRA, but we won't make contributions to that until there's a little bit more income in the picture. In a normal month, we have about $1,000 extra income above our budget and needs for bills and savings. So I think variable annuities are bad products in most circumstances, and I I think good financial products don't need salespeople to pitch them. But my question is, even if a variable annuity may be a relatively poor financial product, does it make financial sense to consider it at the 4% contribution match level in this case? Uh, Let me know your thoughts, and thanks. Love the show. All right, Matt, let's get to it. By the way, I cannot believe you just harangued the investing prowess of Beanie Baby investors. 
I think I, they, I think it still makes sense. I could have called out crypto or tulips. It's way or... better than crypto, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> my, my little sister, I think, still has a bin of old school Beanie Babies One that she's days. holding on to. She, and needs, she needs to wait until they come back and sell them. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. There's going to be a, a renewed focus, I think, on Beanie Babies. One nice. But uh, they're not going to make you rich. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about something else that won't make you rich, and that's variable annuities. Annuities. Yeah, so we don't talk about them much on the show. And, and th- they're inside of Colin's wife's 403B plan. And 403B plans can be all right, but there are also a lot of crappy fees as well in many of these 403B plans, which is the problem that we have <laughs> with many 403B plans in existence. But so much comes down to the the investment options that are available to you. And the reality of that is that especially for public school teachers, K through 12 public school teachers, the options are subpar and they often like they they stink so badly mm-hmm. because the fees and the fine print are so ridiculous. Like it, our K through 12 teachers are largely being taken advantage of by having uh, much fewer options and much worse options in these accounts. And you've got a tough nut to crack here, Colin, because spe- specifically the, the fact that your wife's employer is offering a match. Yeah. That's what makes this a more difficult question exactly. to answer because let's say there was no match, Matt. We would say, skip it all together. Yep. <laughs> Sock more money in the IRA that you're not able to contribute to right now because you don't have enough, uh, enough dollars hanging around. Just, yeah. Money is fungible and just allocate some of those dollars instead of... Uh, in her retirement account there over in your Roth IRA yeah. or wh- whichever accounts that you're not fully funding yet. Exactly, because uh, the, the 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 options are so bad in this account. If, if, in fact, the variable annuity is really the only place that she can invest inside of this account, that's a problem. But the availability of the match kind of compounds the problem, makes it a little more nuanced. And, and ultimately, this is going to come down to math, right? It's going to be a math problem. But let's make sure that you know what it is that you need to pay attention to as you're trying to decide if this 403B is going to be worth it, if it makes sense for your wife to contribute at least up into the match, I will say, uh, before we even get to that, Matt, there is no need and there is, there is no sense in contributing beyond that match level. 4% oh, is... Oh, that's, that's definitely an easy decision. <laughs> is the most she should be contributing. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, the only reason we're having this conversation is because there is the match, just like you said. Like, if that match didn't exist, we would not be having this conversation. And the reason for that is because there are so many downsides to investing in this variable annuity. Uh, and the biggest downside is likely the insanely high fees that come with these investments. Those high fees will eat into the investment returns that your wife would hope to garner by socking money away into that 403B. Uh, according to 403B Wise, which is a fantastic resource. It's like that, a nonprofit helping teachers in particular out. It's a nonprofit for the nonprofits out there. <laughs> uh, but according to them, according to the research, the typical annual fee on a variable annuity is 3%. That is insane. You compare that to uh, a Vanguard S&P 500 ETF that's got an expense, expense ratio of 0 Three uh, percent. There is such a disparity between those two figures that I just mentioned, or even just think about Fidelity, and they've got some ETFs, obviously that have uh, that are completely free it, that don't don't have any uh, expense ratios. It would be like me arm wrestling Sylvester Stallone in the movie Over the Top. How quickly would I lose? Like that, it's it's not even a match, right? Like it's or like our, or him like Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like Sylvester Stallone like arm wrestling a baby. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you're right. It's probably almost that. Like I'm almost as weak as a baby, but not quite. But yeah, so. yeah, you've got a you got some muscle mass. <laughs> Uh, but it is also important to watch out for surrender charges as well. That's something that you also see associated with these variable annuities. Those can be pretty significant. Uh, and some of the some of these different annuity contracts, they can have surrender periods as long as 10 years. And so what that means is that if your wife were, were looking to move on to a different company, 
she could be forfeiting a large percentage of her total assets. Now, oftentimes you're looking at something between five to 7% of that little nest egg that's going to get eaten up right away. Uh, this probably should be illegal, but sadly <laughs> yeah. it is not. It is costing, again, like you said, Joel, not just nonprofits, but especially a lot of teachers out there. It's costing them a lot of money. And a lot of school teachers do have options outside of just annuities, let's say, inside of their retirement plan. And they could stick money in something like an S&P 500 uh, a fund. But even those funds inside of these teacher retirement plans are often 10 times the expenses as a Vanguard or Fidelity fund. Uh, still, it, it may be not better. be may not be 100 times as bad. <laughs> right, right. Maybe it's just 10 times as bad. Exactly. Yeah, this would be a much better uh, solution. Which is still crazy. But to it say. sounds like Colin's wife doesn't even have that choice, which is just a travesty. It's a crying shame, and I would be upset uh, to the point of like writing people to try to get this fixed. You're going to cause, a, cause a ruckus? I would. I would, because yeah. this is it's not right. It's not okay. And so, yeah, with, without knowing how long your wife plans to stay at the company, it's going to be difficult to know whether or not it makes sense, because you mentioned that she would likely move on from this position at some point. One option would be to try and get the best of both worlds to get the match, but then look to see if there are. You mentioned there aren't, but what if there are other places she can invest or even save some of that money instead of sticking it into a variable annuity within that 403B? Is there a money market account? It, if, for instance, that could be better. Snagging the match, getting the money in there, but not investing it yet because the investing options are so terrible. And then you can always roll that 403B over into a traditional IRA once she leaves that job, and then you can start investing those funds. Yeah. Right? It's it's a good idea for your wife to push for better options too, like I was just saying. Like it's not just her who's getting the short end of the stick here by not having access to low cost investing options. You know, I if I were her, I'd reach out to HR. I'd start asking some questions. I'd start pushing the envelope to see if if there is a way in which they can have better investing options at their disposal. Because right now, it sounds like everybody at this organization is getting ripped off. And yeah. uh, the if the organization, maybe the organization, maybe the folks in charge don't realize just how poorly they're serving their employees. Uh, and somebody has to bring that to their attentions. And I would say, since you know what's going on, you have the ability and the duty even to reach out and to, to make some suggestions and to reach out and talk about mention 403B wise. Those folks will, will help walk this organization through picking a better plan that's going to be more suitable and lower cost for all the folks involved. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the 403B wise website, but not just the actual website, but they've got a great Facebook group as well. That would be a great resource, a great place, Colin, for your wife to soak in some of that 403B wisdom. Start Ask asking good questions. Like yeah, a lot of people in there have exactly. dealt with crappy 403B products. Who may have been in very similar situations uh, that <laughs> well, she finds herself or in. Or maybe the exact same. They might say, oh, oh, I know this provider well, <laughs> and it's really bad. And here, he, actually, they have this one option, or actually, here's mm -hmm. how you go about trying to get, get exactly. things changed yep. where, where you work. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth pointing out, too, one, one final note here, uh, perhaps. Uh, not all annuities are bad. Like some of them are going to make more sense for individuals, in particular, as you get closer to retirement age. Uh, but annuities are almost never a smart deal for the folks out there who are in the wealth building phase of their lives. In that case, you want to make sure that you are, you know, that you have some investing options available to you, especially where they're not charging you an arm and a leg just for the privilege of being able to invest with what is most likely an insurance company. Yeah. That is not who you want to be with. For sure. Yeah. And it just sucks that that's the option that you have and the tax advantaged option with a match that she has because typically you know you want to take advantage of a company match and there aren't many reasons why you would avoid that unless potentially you're not going to be at that employer very long 
and the surrender charges and the fees that come along with that variable annuity make it just prohibitively costly for you to do business there. That's right. And so, yeah, it, it's not the easiest answer uh, unless we're looking at your paperwork with you, but hopefully that point you in the right direction. All right, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. Two turtle doves. By the brewery. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this Belgian-style ale brewed with orange peel and spices? So what's crazy is I scoured the label looking for any descriptive of this flavor that I not only smelled but tasted, but I am picking up major banana notes. I don't know about you, but like when I cracked this thing open and gave it a sniff... I couldn't get past thinking this smells just like a strawberry banana smoothie, oh. like 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 an Odwalla or some of like the naked juices or whatever. Like a lot of those have banana in them, and I 100% am tasting and picking up on some of those banana ethers. Uh, is that the clove? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is, but okay. for for whatever reason, just the combination of flavors uh, definitely make me think that. But okay. uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's it's definitely delicious. Makes you kind of get you nice and warm inside. Makes you think of the upcoming holidays. For sure. But, uh, I, I, I what do you think? My thought was it's beginning to taste a lot like Christmas mm. when I drank this because it's got that gingerbread, a little bit of orange peel action going on, a little Maybe. bit of nutmeg. Like it's yeah. got some of those Christmas spices yep. thrown in, so it feels like. Uh, you know, mid-December, this is kind of the perfect beer to be drinking. Um, I, I I thought it was tasty. It's The brewery makes so many good beers. They make. I can't say it's one of my favorites that I've had from them, but that's also because I've had so many that's good beers. That's because their other beers are so stinking <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but if you're into and you're wanting some Christmas vibes from a beer right now, this oh, is a man. great one to pick up for sure. To Absolutely. split with a friend or two. And super easy to drink too, especially if you are not, like you hear us talking about different IPAs and you're thinking, yeah, Thanks, boys. IPAs aren't for me. This is basically the opposite of that. A lot of darker, like brown pastry notes, uh, plus a little bit of banana. Actually, it makes me think of banana bread. Oh man, that's that's totally like a brand. Uh, I can see that. Like a rum-soaked raisin banana bread mashup. Uh huh. Throw in a touch of fruitcake, perhaps. For sure. Um, this has a lot of that going on. Yeah, definitely. So if that is what you're looking for in a beer, check out Two Turtle Doves by The Brewery. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want the show notes, including the links to some of the, the stuff we mentioned, Matt's budget template included, we'll have that up on our site at howtomoney.com. That's right. But Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.